Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome to the Doc G Show. I'm your host, Doc G. With me is a man that is no doubt rich beyond your beliefs now. He is so rich because of his gold panning expeditions. Mike, Word. the furnace, Charette. Mike, are you rich? <laughs> what up, what up, what up? I am rich with memories. Yes. 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 That's the yes. best type of rich. Not really, <laughs> but it's, it's nice. That's nice. Was, yeah, that's good. Was panning for gold as boring, less boring, or more boring than you expected? Uh, day six, it was pretty much at the highest level of boring that you could possibly <laughs> be at. And uh, in addition, I had some sun poisoning. Which, oh, uh, no. You know, so uh, there was a little oh. bit of that. And then, uh, you know, but hey, day one through five, I was all about it. I was, nice. I was loving the little flakes and, uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of fun. But uh, six days in, I was like, all right, I'm ready to go home. Now, did you, did, did you guys get anything that was like... Like measure, like you could actually like see it and like you know feel that it was a chunk of gold or no, none of those. Yeah. So actually, on the very last day, my dad's whole goal for the trip was to get a. They call them a pincher. It's mm -hmm. like so some like a piece of gold that you could actually pinch out of the uh, out of the yeah. pan. And he actually got one. Nice. He got a pincher. Nice. Got a pincher. Worth um, it. Worth yes. it. Nope. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Probably like now ten dollars. <laughs> I'm, yeah, worth it. Again, six days yeah. of work, totally worth it. Nope. That's a good, <laughs> good, good week's worth of work. Uh, oh gosh! I was just thinking, it is. It, it's pretty good though. Like, I mean, I'm guessing since it was meant for quality time, you wouldn't do this, but you could you could pan with for gold with tunes, right? You could. I mean, I think that would be like you don't need to have your ears while you're panning, so you could have no, some not tunes at all. going. That'd be pretty. Yeah, good. for sure. I could, yeah. I, I could go. I did that when I was painting way back in the day when I was a painter. I, okay. I jammed on tunes. That makes it go a lot faster. Although, yeah, painting gets it's 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 about as bad as panning for gold. I would guess it's <laughs> uh, pretty slow, which is why well, most of my professional painter coworkers were alcoholics. But oh. you know. <laughs> Well, yeah. at least you can see. At least you can see the progress of the painting. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Panning, yeah the, it's no hard panning. To see progress. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. Just a bunch of dirt passing through your yeah. pan. That's it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, Mike, I was thinking of you and how I could relate this next story that I wanted to talk about to you. Wait, and I what? think I've got it. So, okay. you you recently moved to Las Vegas, and yes. uh, sometimes moving can be tough. Because you got to meet new people, got to make new mm -hmm. friends. Well, I have a news article from NPR that is going to help all of us make friends. Hmm. Yeah. It's we'll titled. <laughs> it, <laughs> it's titled. Accept the awkwardness. How hmm. to make new friends and keep them. So. You know, this this article gives us the details on how to make new friends. And since uh, 
I thought anyone who listens to the Doc G Show is lonely and needs friends. This would be beneficial for all of us. That's so correct. let's let's. I want to go through the tips. We have five tips in this article. You ready for tip one? Yes, very ready. Okay, tip one. It sort of goes with the title. Uh, accept the awkwardness and assume that other people need friends too. Hmm. That's that's the first one, which I got to say, Mike, I got a feeling who wrote this article is just awkward. Because, <laughs> like, I don't know about you, but I was thinking about it, like, when I was reading this article, I was like, was it really that weird when I met a lot of my friends? And I was like, no, not really. Nope. Like... I mean, most of my friends, when I met them, I was like, oh, well, this is fun talking to this person. That's why it's not awkward, and we should be yeah. friends. Not like, God, this is weird, but I'm going to keep on doing it. Like, sounds like a weird way to meet friends. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I thought about, mm. how about modifying tip one, and so it states, if you're awkward, go ahead and accept that you're awkward. Hopefully you'll meet some folks that just don't care you're awkward. How about Yeah, those are those are the best friends. Yeah, those exactly. Friends. Exactly. You do every now and then get that weird friend that you're just like, "Man, that guy's weird and he's awkward, but it's pretty hilarious." Especially yeah. when it's not towards you and he's being awkward towards other people and they don't know he's that weird guy and you're just like, "Oh man, they don't know Phil. Here it comes. This is going to be <laughs> weird." Yeah. Uh, I'm specifically talking of my friend from college, Phil of the Future, who was weird, and we called him Phil of the Future. Uh, yeah, he's great. He's from Switzerland. Shout out to Phil uh, of the Future. Shout out to um, Switzerland. Yeah. You know what I was thinking about this? Like, kids have it so easy. Kids, kids, when you're a kid, you just go up mm -hmm. to a kid, and you're just like, hey, I see you have a, a Ninja Turtle. Mm -hmm. I like your Ninja Turtle. I love Ninja Turtles. Do you want to be friends yeah. forever? Yeah. And that's it. And then you, yeah. There's not a lot of baggage that goes into no. it. I no. mean, and if that okay. happened now, if somebody came up to me and like I had, you know, I'm like <laughs> I'm wearing a Nike shirt, and they're like, "Hey, I like Nike. You want to be friends?" I'd be like, "No, weirdo." Hey, I see you're drinking that bottle of vodka. I like vodka. You want to go to my house? We could drink let's some more party. vodka. Let's party. Yeah, let's get crazy. No, God, what's wrong with you? So maybe that's the awkwardness that this guy's talking about. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, tip two: Remember that people will like you more than you think they will. Hmm. Word. Which again. I gotta say, this one really depends on who you are. Like, yeah, I think this one should say, "Remember that people will like you more than you think they will to your face." <laughs> I think that's like behind your back, they'll probably make fun of you. Like, I think that most likely. I mean, honestly, though, like I don't know. That seems like a stretch. You got. I've, I. I like to think that I'm. I'm a fairly good judge of whether a person's a turd or not. And like, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not yeah. gonna like a person more than they deserve. I'm not gonna just be like, oh, this person's awesome. Forget all about those horrible things <laughs> they just did. Like, seems a little bit much. Uh, <laughs> tip three, though. Tip three is good. Tip three is goodman. Invest okay. in the activities that you love. That's a fact. Mm -hmm. 
Which, you know, the idea here is, is that if you love these things in earnest, you'll find other people that love these things, and you'll be able to relate to these things together. And hmm. you, But, like, I feel like this is just more like solid advice for not hating your life. Less of yeah. finding friends, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, you know, same time, yeah. I get it. Like, you know, if, if your activities are music and basketball... Uh, then you're going to find people that like music and basketball. But, like, also, what if your activities are, like, reading books in solitude? Mm. Or, <laughs> you know, like, what if it's something that no one is around for that... Go to the library. Be, I don't know. It's going to be hard. I'm just saying. I see you like reading. I like reading. Can You want to read next to me? <laughs> what? I'm just going to breathe heavily as I turn my pages. So don't be weirded out. It's, eh, um, eh. Tip four. It's okay, and again, I'm going to disagree with this one. It's okay to treat friendships as seriously as you do dating. Wait, what? Hmm. Again, I don't know. Like, if one of my friends calls me up and is like, Hey, man, I haven't heard from you in a week. Are you friend cheating on me? What's going on? <laughs> like, be a little weirded out with that. I don't know. Like, that seems... Like, I feel like if we reword this tip, it should be, in some situations, <laughs> it's okay to treat friendship more seriously than you would dating. In others, totally so not. Funny. Like, I just, I, yeah, I, I, I feel like there's just a lot of things in dating you wouldn't do with friendship. Nope. It's just, yeah. Mm. Now, number five. Number five again. This one, this one would work. This one, this one's good. So number five, be present. Be present, which you know, sort of a, a Buddhist tip there. But yeah. it has three tips to on how to be present. And again, hmm. I think this is good advice for how Sub to not tips. suck at life. But um, the the three tips for being present, two of them I totally agree with. One is wrong, and I would definitely stop hanging out with anyone who did it. So let me do the two that uh, are right. Uh, so first, listen and notice things about your friend. That's good. Yes. That's good. That's definitely, good. I mean, you know, like when you when a friend asks about something, I, I definitely enjoy that. Like when a friend of mine, I'm talking to him, and I come up to him the next day, and they're like, hey, man, how'd that thing go? And you're like, what? They remembered? Yeah. It totally went well. Like... That's cool. I totally yeah. agree with that one. Follow-up um, questions. Always good. Exactly. Two, remember the names of folks in your friends' Ooh. lives. Yes. Mm. Yeah. That's solid good. advice, though, you know? Yeah. Good advice. Like Hard my brother gets... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like my brother gets annoyed when you don't remember people's, you know, names in his stories. And you're like, who? And he's like, come on! It's Juan! I've worked with him for five years. And you're like, that's... I don't know. All right. Sorry, man. Like, you know, so you, yeah, it's good. You want to remember names. That makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Uh, plus, I, I totally get it when I'm telling a story and somebody that you're talking to keeps interrupting with being like, wait, who's that? Wait, why Why were they there? Wait, how do you know them? And you're like, come on, dude. The story's uh, yeah. ruined. What are you doing? Uh, yeah. Number three, there, here's the <laughs> This one is just weird. <laughs> number three, take notes. Huh? It will help you remember your conversation and allow mm. you points of connection later. 
Ooh, yeah. <laughs> no. No, no, no. If any friend of mine starts taking notes while we hang out, I'll immediately think he's an informant in the FBI's <laughs> show division. What are, you, what are you doing? What's going on over there? Why? Why are you writing this down? Like, how... How bizarre is that? Like, yeah, I think that's better for dating. I've heard some like dating coaches say, you know, when you're when you're talking to your spouse or your partner, yeah. taking notes and like really showing that you're paying attention is like a solid way to show them. Uh, I still I'll feel that's just like, creepy. Like yeah. I just, I feel like yeah. if I'm at dinner with somebody and whip out their notepad, I'm like, <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, I'm just writing down, yeah. you had the prime rib and you were excited <laughs> because it's normally a Sunday special, but today's Tuesday. So medium rare, you know, like I gotcha. weird. I don't know, man. That's just, yeah. I feel like, like you said, maybe, maybe like mental notes, just mm -hmm. do mental. Yeah. Like if, it, if it's not important enough that you can't remember it then okay probably shouldn't keep it down like plus yeah. just think of how weird it'll be in like 20 years when you pull out those notes ah oh, <laughs> jeff farted outside of the shell gas station that was weird all right i'm glad i took that down in 2003 <laughs> solid all right um okay mike now that we are experts at becoming uh best friends are you ready mm. to fire this show up let's do it Five. All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and lift off. Oh man, we have a fantastic show today. We have a Florida native on the show who went out to California to become a rock star yes. and now is a rock star yes. and now he lives in Nashville. Yes. So he's he's hit all the hot spots, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Can't wait to talk to him. Mr. Adam Roth of Grizzfolk uh, just came out with a new album this past Friday. So we've got a lot to talk about. But um, first, need to start where we start. Birthday suit. Yes. Happy birthday, Mr. President. So this one, I'm, I, I've stuck on a 55% for you. Okay. I'm 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 not That's sure fair. I'm not sure your your jazz uh knowledge and I know a little bit of jazz. I've got some jazz knowledge. Okay. Okay. But, uh, 55% is still a pretty good uh, is a pretty accurate uh, well, estimate. Well, I will say this is huge in jazz. Huge name in jazz. Na name out a couple huge names in jazz. Do you got a couple on on top of top of mind there? Hmm. Jazz. Uh no. Okay. Okay. <laughs> no, okay. Really Let's don't. see. Okay. Let's see here. Uh born in New Orleans, uh, August 4th, 1901. Jeez. He was he was raised predominantly by his grandma for the first five years of his life. He grew up in a very poor section of New Orleans. At the age of seven, he moved in with the Karnofskis, a Lithuanian Jewish family. The family had such a strong impact on him that even though he wasn't Jewish, he wore a Star of David until he died after that. Around mm. the age of 11, he started playing the cornet. By the age 16, he started playing on riverboats and jazz bands. In 1922, he moved to Chicago. Uh, influenced by the famous music, mu musician King Oliver, 
He made his first recordings with King Oliver in April of 1923. In 1924, he went to play with the Fletcher Henderson Orchestra in New York and switched over to trumpet. In 1925, he returned to Chicago and started his own band called the Hot Five. Say what? Over a 12-month period, the Hot Five created 24 records. Putting out two records a, a month. It's crazy. By 1927, he expanded his group to the Hot Seven. By the 1930s, he was known as the greatest trumpet player in the world. By the late 1940s, traditional jazz had been revived, and he started playing with the six-piece again. By the 1950s, there was a divide that had grown between current jazz artists, like Miles Davis and Charlie Parker, and our birthday suit wear. Sort of a little new versus the old there. In 1964, he recorded his biggest hit, Hello, Dolly, song mm. written by Jerry Herman. The song went to number one and dethroned the Beatles. Sadly, he passed away in 1971. He was given a Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award in 1972. He's also inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1990. He is regarded as one of the best jazz performers of all time. Name mm. that birthday suit wearer. Louis Armstrong. Louis Armstrong is Louis correct. Armstrong. Well, you Louis, full name, Louis. fine, you know. Yes. Louis Armstrong is correct. <laughs> Nicely done. Yes. Hello, Dolly. I actually Dolly. do know that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I do know that song. Yeah. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of Louis Armstrong. I've got a few songs on Spotify. I got his album. Yeah, I got. I got yeah. a couple. I got a couple Louis albums there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> one thing I gotta say, uh, you know, he had a, he had a crazy life. Um, and a side note that I found when I was writing that up there, really weird. He loved telling people he used laxatives to lose weight. Huh? Hmm. Interesting. Like he he told everybody. He like literally at he he made cards of himself. Like is basically a cartoon looking through a keyhole in the bathroom and him sitting on the toilet that said Satchmo tells you to leave it behind. Hmm. And that was very odd. He actually even mentions it in a couple of live recordings. And and he told the British royal family, like, hey guys, use some laxatives. It'll help you out. <laughs> They're all skinny though. What is he what are they gonna do? This is really Yeah, well, I mean, they've got bad food. Come on. It's, uh, it's yeah. hard to hard to get big on British food. It's, yeah, uh, true. Yeah. Uh, but still, I just found that crazy that even by the even by the 60s nobody was like, "Hey, hey, Louie, maybe a little bit less on the laxative thing." That's weird. <laughs> Stop that. Like, I it's a crazy thing, but nonetheless, yeah. one of the best one of the best trumpet players ever, one of the best uh, jazz performers ever. If you ever watched the Ken Burns documentary on jazz, plays a big role, obviously. Huge role in yeah. the documentary. Really uh, unique, unique voice, too. Like one oh, of the most super unique, unique voices. S super unique. Very gravelly. He also, yeah. uh, very cool, he did a performance He did a performance with Jimmy Rogers, one of the first ever country uh, uh, musicians. Like, he's Jimmy Rogers is essentially the 
first big country music artist. And then, really? like, 40 years later, he did a, uh, a performance with John and Cash in the 60s. Like, and came back and did, did pretty much the same thing. Yeah, it was wild. Wow. That'd be a good wild. show. Yeah, he did. Uh, Louis was a he was a performer, man. He toured like basically his whole life. He never stopped going around the world. He loved touring. It was like one of wow. his favorite things. But uh, let's see, celebrating his one twenty one or one twenty one twenty one hundred and twenty. Don't do not think. He would have made it this long, no matter how good his health was. If he, if he did, <laughs> no matter how many laxatives he took, be be a record, <laughs> no matter how strong the laxatives. Uh, happy birthday, Louie. Uh, are you ready to rip some headlines, Mike? Yes, let's do it. It's now time for rip from the headlines. Okay, let's start right here with a fantastic, weird Florida story. Uh, this comes from a Shell station in Fort Lauderdale. Shell gas station on the corner of Power Line and Cypress Creek Road. I actually know that Shell station. Uh, hmm. It got in some... I don't think I've ever been, but I know where it is. Uh, it got in some hot water lately because of the face mask they were selling. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're probably like, face masks, Florida. Was it because they were selling face masks in the first place? No, <laughs> it wasn't. The gas station was selling face masks with the Nazi eagle insignia on them. What? Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Now, wow. the story was... Though? Yeah, it, right, right. It's weird. Makes sense. Uh, now, this story was reported on the news, uh, local news channel 10 in Fort Lauderdale, and in the article after it mentions where the masks were being sold and what they looked like, it says, quote, the good news is we bought the last one there. After our report, it will be thrown in the trash. <laughs> yeah! Which, like, I guess that's good news, but... What about the definitely bad news that they most likely started off with way more than one? <laughs> and there are apparently people in Fort Lauderdale that thought it made for a good mask. <laughs> like, wow. Who, who are those people? That's the bad news. Um, yeah. How'd they get the, it into the gas station? That'd be a hard product well, to pitch. There you know. go. So here know. you go. The uh, gas station's manager... When asked about the mask and why they stock them, uh, said this. Uh, they asked him why he stocked masks with Nazi symbols on them, and he said, I have no idea. What? And the news team said, you don't know what a swastika is? And he said, trust me, I have no idea. Hmm. The mask <laughs> came from a small vendor who showed up at the gas station with masks for sale. The masks were a part of assortment with other masks. I bought them ah, all. He snuck it which, in. Yeah, which leads me to so many other questions, though. Like, I was thinking about that. Like, first of all, how does this dude not know what a swastika looks like? Like, it's a recognizable symbol of horrible atrocities. Like, yeah. Sort of like being shown a picture of a cartoon devil with horns and a pitchfork and a tail and being like, who's that dude? Don't know. No, what is that? Who, who's, who's that? What's that? Like, come on. 
You know what that is. Second. That was the first mask. <laughs> that was the <laughs> that first was design. Just <laughs> devils all over it. Uh, well, that's what I was thinking. Like, the vendor, like, did he bring in, like, all kinds of other horrible mask with hate groups on it or was it like <laughs> that was like i mean was it like here's my isis mask here we got the killers <laughs> of baby seals groups and here's our swat like but then it's almost even weirder if he came in with like here's your smiley face mask here's your nice day mask here's your swastika mask here's your fort lauderdale mask wait 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 what was the third one was huh? that like just sort of thought I don't know. Just and hmm. like you said, it's so like you think about it. Fort Lauderdale, just not where you'd think that would happen. Yeah, no, not really. Yeah. Maybe West Palm Beach. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Be a little, yeah, a little bit more. Uh, maybe new totally residents. Yeah. Um, America, let's try never to see those masks again. How about that? Let's just go with that one. Let's let's go yeah. with that. Uh, Mike, let's head over to Dallas. Let's head over to mm. Dallas, and I have a good reason to head over to Dallas. What is going on in Dallas? Well, let me tell you. They've got White Horse Steakhouse. Hmm. Now, why is White Horse Steakhouse a reason to head to Dallas? I'll tell you. It's because when you go to White Horse Steakhouse, you get to party with all types of animals. Hmm. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah, White Horse uh, Steakhouse is part of Oak Meadow Ranch in Valley View, and they've got 12 species of animals that will come and party with you. Sweet. Yeah. Okay. So they, okay. They, they've got camels, rabbits, zebras, llamas, kangaroos, alligators, goats, pigs, cows, donkeys, foxes, servals, and ring-tailed lemurs. Jeez. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Now... All this was pretty cool, but I did get worried with the last type of animal. Not the ring-tailed lemur, but the one I haven't mentioned yet, which would be a sloth. Ah, yeah. 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 I don't know if you heard, Mike, but last week we had a story about sloths. What happened we with the sloths? Oh, we had a story in Charleston at the Charleston Sloths and Exotics. Because I think we all know you head to Charleston, South Carolina to party with sloths. And Sid the sloth bit a kid's finger down to the bone. Girl, come on! Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I didn't now, know sloths bite. Well, just hang around. After, after we heard that, we also found out that Charleston sloths and exotics didn't have a license to have their sloths, which made it a little bit worse of a situation for them. But after knowing this story, I'm surprised that no one's been murdered by the apex predators, the sloths at Whitehorse Steakhouse. So <laughs> surprised. I'm surprised. Now, uh, aside from that, you can. There's, there's several ways, Mike, you can party with these animals. You don't have to just eat. You can eat if you want. You can make a reservation for yeah. dinner, and apparently the animals come and party with you before during even if you want to and after dinner um now uh a couple things i would like to have dinner with just the lemurs and the servals those are pretty much the only two mm -hmm. i don't know if you know servals mike but they're just they're they're the they're a big cat um yeah, yeah they're pretty cool and i like lemurs those guys are tricky with their little hands so i enjoy yeah. those fellas 
and I would wouldn't mind if they stole food from me. I'd be completely fine with it. Not but a camel. Like, you wouldn't be. Uh, <sighs> those guys camel? seem pretty sloppy. You know, yeah. they got that big old tongue. Like I feel like then. Plus, they seem to have like a bit. Like I mean, I'd like to think that they're like a Geico commercial, but they seem to have a little bit of an attitude. Like more so Ooh, than llamas. Yeah. More so, llamas have an attitude. I've dealt with some llamas in my day. There was a llama farm near my high school, Word. and uh, they're they're they they can spit, and they don't mind eating your shirt if they get bored. They will just yeah. go in and just start chewing your shirt. Now, the alligators, obviously, I I I don't need any of those at, while I'm eating uh, dinner. No. That's no no. Uh, fox maybe, may donkey maybe. If it can act, if it can act like Eddie Murphy, then yes, <laughs> I will definitely have the donkey at dinner. If not, nah, nope, yeah. But the one other thing I was thinking is, it is a little bit awkward. Like if you're having like a bacon cheeseburger and the cow and pig are there with you, like oh. that seems a little bit just, <laughs> just in their face, right? Like, no, how's Jeff taste? Does he taste better than our friendship, you a hole? Oh, like man. just. It's a bit much, right? How does like, this even I'm, work? What do you eat next to the animals? Are you is the table in the middle of like just? I think the table's just like in the middle of their habitat, really. I think that's the way that it works. And also, like they they other they have two other options. You can go just sort of like a zoo and check them out, or mm -hmm. you can also go and rent a cabin there and just like stay there. So. Mm. Couple of options there at the uh, Oak. Was it the Oak Meadow Ranch? Yeah, Oak Meadow Ranch. You got a couple of options there. So just hmm. think about it. Next time you're in Dallas, if you have a show in Dallas, you might want to stay at the Oak Meadow Ranch. Yeah, you I might want to check this place out. You can let, let the crowd know. Hey, guys, last night I spent the night with a lemur. How do you feel yeah. about that? You guys okay nice. with that? Um, Okay, this next story, <laughs> it's weird. Um, like all of our stories. But this one... Uh, so, this is uh, a story from Michigan. So, Trent Perlick uh, was on trial in Michigan and was convicted of sexual conduct charges in the first degree, which, you know, sexual conduct charges uh, include a lot of horrible things. And apparently, when it's in the first degree, it carries a mandatory uh, minimum of 25 years in jail. And mm -hmm. go up to life in prison. Jeez. Now, he'd already been convicted, but they hadn't sentenced him yet. And sentencing was apparently after lunch. Hmm. Now, uh, Trent, uh, apparently, once they were ready to sentence, didn't show up to the sentencing because he was allowed to leave the courthouse for lunch. Hmm. So... Apparently, throughout this trial, Trent had been free on bond the entire time. And even after he was found guilty in the morning, they were like, all right, we'll see you after lunch. We'll let you know if you got 25, <laughs> 50, maybe 75 years in, in jail. We'll see you then. Yeah. All right. We'll see you like, <laughs> that was like, and I, I got to say, not too surprisingly, hmm. Trent didn't show up. Like, hmm. uh, you know. But they hunted him down. They found him in Wisconsin. They're bringing him back to, to Michigan uh, to, to actually have the sentencing. But, like, this is the main thing that I was thinking about with this story that, like, I couldn't get over was 
Like, I know, I know it's not important in the grand scheme of things, but like, did he really eat lunch before he, he like left to go to Wisconsin? I'm gonna go with Cause, a no. Yeah, because like I was thinking about it, like if that's me that just found out I'm going to jail for a minimum of 25 years, I don't think I'm gonna be able to stomach anything for a while. You know, like yeah. Imagine how weird that would be. Just like going into a diner, like, hey, I may have 50 years in jail. Uh, I saw the turkey special. Let's do that. <laughs> like, that just so weird. I feel I'd like go to somebody. Chick Fil A personally, I would go to Chick Fil A. That's my oh, last meal. I'm going to Chick Fil A. <laughs> do the do the Giannis. The Giannis. Did you see that? Where he got the 50 uh, 50 nuggets after winning the championship. Next day, he went there on on Instagram Live. 150,000 people were watching him get nuggets at Chick-fil-A. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Wow. I was like, that's how you get those muscles, Giannis? Chick-fil-A? Yeah. Man. Ooh, Man. such a good meal. I want to get on that diet. Yeah. Uh, okay, last story before the break that, here. By the way. I did not know that, by the way. That's insane. Yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. He's pretty jazzed about it. And I was like, how much sleep did you get? You, you need more sleep and you need less nuggets right now. I'm just saying. Mm. Next True. year, the NBA is going to reload Giannis. You need to be ready. They're coming yeah. for you. They're gunning. Although, I, I don't know if you saw, right, uh, yesterday, uh, Carmelo Anthony now on the Lakers. That happened. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but, uh, and and I don't, the, uh, we'll have to bring Claude on the old NBA analyst, but I don't want to say anything, but I feel like it's going to be like that year when they brought in all the old veterans to uh, Lakers and it was a huge embarrassing failure. When they brought yeah. in, I don't know if you remember this, but when they brought in Carl Malone and Gary Payton and everybody's like, oh my God, it's an all-star team. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. they did win the championship though that year, right? Yeah. No, no, they no, did. not not with Carl Malone and Gary Payton. Oh, they didn't. No, yeah, that's right. No. Carl Malone never got a championship in his career. No, no, no. And ah. I, I feel like, I mean, like you got you got Mello, you got Dwight Howard that came back, you got Westbrook now. It's yeah, just a, Russell Westbrook. It's just a weird group of personalities that I just don't know if that's gonna. And then like AD seems to be fragile. You never know when that yeah. guy's gonna go down with an injury. I just yeah, yeah. People are we'll applauding it like yeah, exactly, exactly. Still got LeBron, right. you know. Still got I, exactly. LeBron. Yeah. I I wasted too much time. I had another story, but we got to go to a break. Uh. I will bring up the story after the break. But for now, let's take a break and listen to our guest here. This is Grizzfolk right off their new album, it's Be My Yoko, right here on the Doc G Show. I traded our food, you. Yeah, I threw in the towel All my songs will be about About you I wanna get it off my chest Baby, I think you're the best I wanna wear you like a bulletproof vest Take you to the streets, maybe start a protest Be my 
the best I wanna wear you like a bulletproof vest Take you to the streets, maybe start a protest On the Doc G Show, Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, uh, Florida. <laughs> Listeners, if you haven't already, make sure you download the podcast in any way that you can on Verbal, on Stitcher, SoundCloud, uh, Apple, uh, TuneIn. Uh, there's all kinds of places. There's all kinds. Of, uh, Overcast, that's another mm. one. I forget. I threw them everywhere. It's all over the place. And, you know, like I've said before, subscribe to every single one. Yeah. You don't have to listen to every single one, but if you subscribe to every one, I'll think a lot of people are listening, mm-hmm. and it'll make me feel better. So just, you know, do your good deed for the day. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Uh, shout out to the regulars. Here we go. Let's do some regulars. Shout out to Jacksonville, Florida, Columbia, South Carolina, Gainesville, Florida, Radford, Virginia, Boardman, Oregon, Winfield, West Virginia, Ashburn, Virginia, Genoa, Italy, Barcelona, Spain, San Diego, California, Peoria, Illinois, Columbus, Georgia, Richardson, Texas, Katy, Texas, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Anoka, Minnesota, and Dublin, Ireland. Shout Regulars. Out. Regulars. Shout out to the Regs. Shout out to the Regs, man. They are uh, definitely some of those places, some of those locations (laughs) have been with us for a very long time. That's awesome. Very long time. Uh, Especially, I will again shout out uh, Genoa and Ashburn, uh, Columbia, Jacksonville, obviously. All of those have been with us for over four years. So those those are the hardcore fans, the one percenters right there. Mm. There you go. Uh, okay, semi-regulars. Got some uh, some exotic locales here. Shout out to Lake Stevens, Washington, Brooklyn, New York, Miami, Florida, Winnipeg, Canada, Chicago, Illinois, Roclaw, Poland, Honcho, Japan, Waynesboro, Virginia, Oxford, Mississippi, Mexico City, Mexico, Oxford, Pennsylvania, Concord, California, Lawrenceville, Georgia, Jakarta, Indonesia, and Piracaya, Piracaya. Piracaya, Brazil. Mutabola. Yeah. Mutabola. That's why they say that, right? Very good. Got it. Maybe. Got it. Maybe it's thank you. Uh, so bad. I'm just, it's Portuguese. something. It's, it's fine. <laughs> I don't do Portuguese. I do Spanish. So, you know. And I do Spanish poorly as well. So, you know. That's a fact. Uh, I do English bad, too. So, you know. True. It's Me too. fine. Very That's good. That's a fact. Uh, Shout out! That's what me and my brother were just talking about. We watched uh, when we were uh, when we were kings, uh, the the Muhammad Ali documentary, yeah. and he pulled he pulled that move. Uh, there, you know, there's a famous part, and it's in the Ali actually the Will Smith movie too, where he goes up to the front of the plane and he talks to the pilots as they're flying. 
Uh, and they have the real footage of that in the movie, and it's great because that's what he says too. He goes up and he's like, this pilot right here speaks, and he goes over the languages, and he's like, I don't even, I don't even speak English that well. <laughs> this guy speaks four languages. And I was like, it's true. I don't speak English that well either. Nice. Nope. Nice. Uh, okay. We need, I need to, one, tell you this story because I wanted to tell you this one uh, earlier. This one made me chuckle a little bit. Uh, I, I just enjoy it. It's sort of fun. So, uh, I don't know if you know this, Mike, but on the show, we do enjoy talking about the Queen of England every now and then. Yeah. Um, so true. I tend to like to chat about her because she, she fascinates me, mainly because, you know, She's 95 years old, and she's been the queen for 69 years. Nice. 69 years. It's a lot, like, just, a lot of years. It's, it's crazy. Like, think about that. She took over as queen when Eisenhower was president. Jeez. And Winston Churchill was the prime minister of Britain. Jeez. Churchill. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. Here's here's another one. She was queen when Castro took power in Cuba and when he stepped down from power in Cuba 46 years later, she was still queen. She was like, yeah, still here. Lame. Lame. That was a weak, weak time in power, Castro. (laughs) I'm still kicking. Step it up. it's, It's crazy. The queen had already been queen for a decade when the Beatles had their first single. What? Wow. What? It's crazy, that queen. Anyways, anyways, that's besides the point. I was just talking about the, the, the take-home point is she's old and she's been queen for a super, super long time. That's so true. It's take-home point. But I read a story this week that was interesting because apparently the queen heads up to Balmoral Castle in Scotland every year mm. to enjoy a little summer vacay. Or as they say in Britain, holiday. Holiday. Uh, yeah, that's, that's interesting. I always find <laughs> that interesting. Um, but it's it's where she apparently likes to forget that she's queen for a little bit. Hmm. You know, she just goes up there and does like normal stuff. Yeah. She takes her dogs out. She goes out for picnics. Apparently, does all kinds of stuff like this, and it it works pretty well for her not being recognized. Not really with British folks but with American folks. Hmm. So one uh, one of her uh, off, uh, police officers that uh, escorts her around places, you know, sort of the Secret Service uh, for, for the Queen, uh, they were recounting a story where she was on one of these dog walks and a group of American tourists were walking around the grounds of the castle and saw her, and they walked up and were like, hey, do you live near here? And she was like, yeah, I got a house nearby. <laughs> and then one of the Americans was like, hey, have you ever met the queen? She was like, no. Word. But that police officer over there has. And she pointed to one of the service guys that was doing security. Uh, and then, then the Americans apparently left, which <laughs> I was amazed that they didn't follow up with the officer to get his queen story. Like, at least if she would have told me, I would have been like, all right, I'll check out what, what he's got to say yeah. about the queen. What's his story? Because then that would have been even weirder, because then he would have been like, <laughs> you would have been like, so you saw the queen? And she's right, she's right there. You just, 
you just talk to her. I don't know how I can get around that one now. She's yeah, that's her. Like, just is it's a little bit odd. But they were just like, yeah, sounds good. All right, see you later. That's like, unbelievable. Just walked off. But like, I mean, come on, Americans. Like, how many ninety-five-year-old women are walking corkies? that have fancy do-rags around their heads and, like, five security guards. (laughs) Like, that that doesn't happen too often. You got to pick up on the signals. I'm just... I do... I mean, like, I like, though, like, the queen was really tricky with that because, obviously, she hasn't met the queen. She is the queen. Like... Yeah. You know. So, she she wasn't lying, you know? So, like, I mean, it's a sneaky, sneaky trick. Unless she, like, thinks of herself and third person (laughs) no i haven't yet i hope to at one point uh yeah it's a little weird but enjoy your vacay your holiday Holiday. queen with some chips enjoy it with some chips and yeah Mm, fish (laughs) Mm, and vinegar Mm. Ew. uh okay mike another thing that we haven't done on the show since you've been co-hosting which i do like to do from time to time is a segment you know, uh, our, our rip from the headlines can sometimes lead us down a rabbit hole of suck, you know, because usually they're not that great of stories as far as the world so true. and what's going on in the world. So I like to do a segment we call Things That Don't Suck. Hmm. And uh, I know it's a pretty complicated idea, but <laughs> it's Things That Don't Suck. So hmm. let's do let's do a little Things That Don't Suck here. Okay. okay. I'm excited. Things that don't suck. A list of consisting of Paul Rudd and whatever the doc wants to say now. So this, yeah, it's a, it's this. A, I'll tell you right now. I love get it. ready to get a little choked up. This is a heartwarming story here. So, uh, Edith Harrell Segal. Edith is a kindergarten teacher and a mother of three in Israel. And this summer was her 50th birthday. Hmm. And uh, she was really wanting to do something big for her 50th. She was looking for something pretty exciting to do. And uh, instead of receiving a present, she decided, I'm going to give one. Sweet. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give out. Which I got to say, I think I might start doing that. I might start giving out presents on my birthday. Because... Like, I got to be honest, most things about birthdays make me feel weird, and I don't like it. That's a fact. Like, people singing happy birthday is a crisis in my head when that happens. I hate it. I don't know what to do. I look away. I look at people's faces, and I'm just like, stop it. Ow, this is weird. Ow, I got to get out of here. Um, (laughs) I got to leave Chuck E. Cheese. What am I doing here? Why am I here? What's going on (laughs) in my life? Um, But Adit decided to uh, go all out. When she gives presents, she goes all out. And she decided to donate a kidney. Jeez. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. She decided. And not only that, but she chose to donate the kidney to a three-year-old boy in Gaza. Of all places. Yeah. That's nice. Exactly. Now, in response... Once she did this, and once she selected the person that she was going to donate the kidney to, in response, the three-year-old boy's father agreed to donate one of his kidneys to a 25-year-old mother of two in Israel. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
little a little exchange of kidneys between yeah. two warring countries. Beautiful thing there. Pay uh, it forward with your kidneys. Exactly. And she donated, and then that that lady donated her kidney. It's to a another it's person. a domino effect. Yeah, it's a domino effect, man. Adit said, "I threw away the anger and frustra- frustration and see only one thing. I see hope for peace and love. Mm-hmm. And if there will be more like us, there won't be anything to fight over." There yes. You Amen. Hey. Amen. Edit, you definitely don't suck. Nope. And your actions, fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> that is a great story. Heartwarming yeah. story right there on things that don't suck. Uh, okay. Back to things that, yeah, they don't suck, but they're not great. Are you ready <laughs> for the second birthday suit? Yes. Okay. So uh, I'll give you the hint right off. This is a big hint. Uh, okay. Without this hint, it might be a little bit harder. Okay. It's got the same first name as our first birthday suit wear. There you go. That's the first hint. Okay. Lewis or Louis? <laughs> uh, Louis Armstrong. Louis Armstrong. Sa- same. Same deal with this one to a degree. Giannis, Giannis, uh, I don't know. But but right. with this one, you will always hear it, Louis. Okay. Uh, pronounced so um born on august 4th 1821 in jura france i think it's pronounced maybe jura i don't know jura france our birthday suit wearer's family was a middle class family but our birthday suit wearer's mother and father died when our birthday suit wearer was only 10 mm. which led him to have to make a living on his own so he moved to paris and started an apprenticeship under a successful trunk maker and packer and became well known as a very good trunk maker. He Ooh. was so good that he became the personal trunk maker of the Empress of France. Inspired nice. by H.J. Cave and Sons of London, our birthday suit wearer was introduced to rectang- rectangular canvas trunks. Our birthday suit wearer also introduced the world's first pick proof lock on his trunks. After the Franco-Prussian War, he made a beige design monogram with his initials with a red stripe, which went on to be the signature of his brand. Mm. Birthday suit wearer died in 1892, but his business was passed on to his son. The brand is now known as one of the most valuable and fashionable brands in the world, worth over $20 billion. Jeez. Name that birthday suit wearer. Louis V. Louis Vuitton. That's it. Louis Vuitton is the birthday suit wearer. Yes. Nice. I didn't know he had the... He started off with the trunks. I didn't know the trunks were the first product. Trunks were the... I mean, everything else, all the other fashion stuff they do now was an afterthought. It was all luggage yeah. to start. That was it. Yeah. Package awesome. and luggaging. Uh, side note, I, uh, again, this one, uh, in a way, is much worse than the laxatives. Um, side note on Louis, uh, sort of like Volkswagen and BMW, Louis Vuitton made things for Nazis. Wait, what? Um, mm. but the really weird thing about his, too, is, you know, uh, since they were in uh, France, it was sort of like as soon as France uh, got overran by the Nazis... You know, they were the ones that, like, tried to, like, act like they were on their side the whole time. Wow. Like, they totally changed. Yeah. It's bad. Well. It's not too surprising either. 
they don't really have any business records of that. Got rid hmm. of that stuff pretty fast. Well, that changed today, and he's getting canceled. Oh, it's, it's getting canceled. It, don't worry. They totally, you know, now they totally said, like, they had an interview about it, and they were like, hey, we don't deny that it happened, and we don't deny that it was bad. What? Okay? <laughs> Buy our $3,000 luggage. Like, you know, that's basically what they do, and people do buy their 3000 yeah, It's amazing. Sure. So many of their their products, you're just like, what? Really? How? How is that $5,000? How? How? Yeah, it just is, blows me away. I, I mean, it really I is. I mean, with most of the stuff, it's it's the LV. It's the monogram, man. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't. But, you know, anyways... Let's see, Louis Vuitton. He would have been uh, this two uh, hundredth anniversary of his of his uh, birthday. There you go, mm. two hundredth. Yeah, yeah. And now a twenty billion dollar company, a little bit bigger than Louis started off with. A little yeah. bit bigger, really grown. <laughs> Happy birthday, Sorry. Louis. Uh, we are going to take a break. We will be right back with Adam Ross of Grizzfolk right here on the Doc G Show. Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLPFM, UNF Jacksonville. The Doc G Show, because sometimes you need something playing in the background. Every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on 99.5 FM, Spinnaker. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today we are very happy to welcome on to the show the lead singer and songwriter of the fantastic band Grizzfolk, Mr. Adam Roth. Adam, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. How are you doing, man? I'm doing I'm doing fantastic. Uh, I guess the second nice. question, also very important question, how's Penny? Oh man, she's good. She's actually uh, she's out sunbathing right now. Oh, nice. And nice. Uh, catching some some of that humid sun sun here in Nashville. It's much pretty much outside, needed. Actually. Much needed, man. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, are yeah. those yes, some dogs like it more than others. You know, some dogs just like to sit there and just bake. It seems a little hot, but they enjoy it. You know. Yeah, it is weird how they like to just lay in direct sunlight. You know. Cats don't seem to like that as much. Cats seem to enjoy just the the hotter temperatures. Like I always see cats right. laying on the top of people's hoods right after they get home from work, and it's in the summer. And you're like, "Isn't that like 120? How are you doing that right yeah. now?" And they just seem to be so right. relaxed. Eh. Teach his own. Yeah, huh? cats and dogs. as long as the cats aren't underneath the hood, you know. Sometimes <laughs> they do that too. Somebody, a, a lady I used to work with, actually took a cat all the like her own cat. It was, it was luckily it didn't get, it didn't die. She took it all the way to the interstate in the wheel well. Jeez. She drove onto the interstate, heard it like meowing, and like got over on the side of the interstate pulled it out of the the car uh, from underneath the car and i was just like what wow how does that happen how does yeah how did she hear that i don't know but she she heard it and luckily the cat was all right but anyways anyways we've got got a lot to to chat about gross folk has a new album 
uh, coming out. And uh, we're going to mm-hmm. work our way up to that. Very excited about it. A lot of songs that I like on that. California High being my favorite. I'll give that to the listeners right now. If you want to just go ahead and skip my know. interview and listen to it. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, but let's let's start way back. You're you're a uh, you're a Florida boy yourself. Yeah, I actually I, I grew up in Pensacola, um, mm. and my mom lives in Jacksonville. So nice. You know, Hometown. I spend I spend quite a bit of time. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I'm I'm there at least three four times a year in Jacksonville. My mom lives kind of near the beach. And, nice. Um, you seem to be a fan of your hometown. I mean, you seem to be a fan of coming back to Florida. Yeah, I, I mean, I love Florida. You know, I know I know Florida gets a bad rap, but <laughs> I, uh, I've i been a lot of places, and I, and I think that Florida is one of the most beautiful places. It definitely has the most beautiful beaches. For sure, um, for sure. And best seafood. I need to take more, I need to get more uh, panhandle action beaches. Like, I hear so many good things about the panhandle mm. beaches, and like, I, I've never actually, one of my best friends live in, lives in Pensacola, and I still haven't been oh, out really? there since he's moved. And uh, yeah, need to check it out. Need to check it out. It, now, it is really the like the Emerald Coast, you know? Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, I had, like I said, I, I have a lot of friends, and I actually have a couple band uh, uh, friends that are in bands in the Panhandle. And the listeners, they've already heard this from me. But uh, one night I was watching the Weather Channel, and they were talking about a snowstorm that was about to hit Michigan. And these types of storms they develop over the panhandle of Texas. And apparently they call the storm a panhandle hooker. And <laughs> I immediately thought, man, if I was a band from like Pensacola or Panama City, I would instantly change my name to the panhandle hookers. Yeah. Is that is that a good yes. name? Is that does that would you want to be a great name? Okay, okay, good. I wanted to get a second opinion on it. But like, yeah, that I mean Maybe we change our name from Grizzfolk <laughs> to Panhandle Hookers. Uh, how'd you guys, you guys were Grizzfolk for seven years. Well, we heard a good name and we had to switch it. We <laughs> had to switch it. Um, <laughs> you, you've been writing songs for, uh, I mean, a long time. I heard you started writing songs at about 10, uh, the age of 10 or so. Uh, what initially got you interested in songwriting? What, what were your initial inspirations? Um... You know, I think originally my, uh, I started, my dad gave me a, a Aerosmith Get a Grip CD. Mm. And uh, that was, you know, when I when I heard rock and roll like that, you know, and he took me to that, to the Get a Grip concert when they were touring that record. Nice. And uh, I was just so inspired and then Nirvana came out, you know, and the grunge mm-hmm. thing started. And um, my mom got me a, a four track cassette recorder that I, uh, you know, I ended up just locking myself in the, in my room every day, and I had no idea what I was doing. And I, <laughs> I, 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 you know, with the cassette recording, like you, you can record over stuff that you record like really yeah. easily, you know. And yeah, I did that a lot. You know, I don't have any. <laughs> I don't know. It was like I'd record something, and then you know, it would disappear, and I'd be like, "What? Where did it go?" <laughs> um, that that album, Get a Grip, had some had some awesome jams on that was that was a i i think i mean just because there's so many grunge 90s albums that one's overlooked man i mean had living on the edge Dude. and eat eat the rich uh line oh, up yeah line up which was one of my favorites a deep cut there i love line <laughs> that's up that's a deep cut 
Yeah, line up yeah, was. That's a... I got psyched because it was on. Uh, it was on Ace Ventura when he's trying to find the uh, ring uh, that that uh, Finkel was wearing. He's 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 dancing to that song, and I was like, that song is awesome, awesome. It's on that album. It's a uh, that can get you fired up for some rock, man. That definitely can get you. Excited. That was one of the best records of all time. It was, I mean, I honestly, I mean, I just, I, all those songs, I mean, you know, like I said, Living on the Edge and Crying and Amazing, uh, Shut Up and Dance, like, just crazy, like, all of those songs, and, uh, you mm -hmm. know, Crazy had Alicia Silverstone in the music video, come on, Sweet. can't get better than that, oh, man. pretty fantastic right yeah, there. That, <laughs> yeah, that was a good, that was a great video, man, now, everybody was, was were you on the edge. Were you all self-taught? Did you ever have any lessons as far as, you know, uh, guitar or anything else? Or was it just, uh, you know, uh, uh, practice and practice and tabs and everything like that? Yeah, I, I actually did take lessons from, um, from a man who was, uh, he was definitely more of a jazz guitar player. And he was so strict, honestly, <laughs> it, it, it kind of... You know, the first few years, I, I hated playing guitar, and I actually quit playing guitar. My dad took me to these lessons, and hmm. this guy was like, you know, if you didn't, if you didn't understand the first string, the first three frets, yeah, he wouldn't let you go on to the second string. You know, so hmm. it was like, and I did, I just wanted to rock. Yeah, you know, like I didn't want to learn these. these Give me notes. three chords and so, let me go. Exactly. Yeah. Hmm. So you know, it was a long process, and I quit. And then I, you know, and then I think the grunge era happened. And yeah. I was like, all right, I want to rock. Like, I want to, <laughs> I want to do this. And I channeled my, um, you know, I had, I had some, some angst, I guess, you know, yeah. my, my, my parents were going through a divorce and yeah, I think I just, I funneled it all into music. Um, nice. So a little bit of lessons, but then mostly self-taught was, especially the songwriting side of things. And working with other people, you know, in high school, I was in a band and we wrote songs together. And yeah, I think we, we kind of like being in a cover band, having to learn other songs. And well, that was, you know, it was it was funny going down a little bit of a, you know, Adam rabbit hole there. You know, I, I, I came across Suburban Shakedown, one of the bands you were in there. Oh. And like, you know, I, I listened mm -hmm. to the album. Yep. It's sort of it's it's jam bandy. It's uh, it's mm -hmm. it's a little beachy. There's even like a sublime sort of feel on like Mosquito. I was listening to that mm -hmm. song. Uh, yeah. the, wow. Like those first band experiences like that, they, they seem so fun. Like to me, that always seems just like you're you're trying out new things. You're doing you're 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 to well not touring, but you're playing different gigs. What do you remember about playing? Mm -hmm in suburban shakedown what do you remember about those years man i honestly can't even believe that you uh <laughs> that you were able to uh to find that and that's that's totally amazing um honestly man we had so much fun you know we all went to different high schools mm -hmm. and we would you know so we would have these these shows we would rent out the american legion hall and you know charge 10 bucks at the door and like we'd have like one of our people running the mm -hmm. door and We'd make all this money and like everyone, we'd get kegs, even though we were only 15 or 16, <laughs> 17. Um, and we were selling cups, nice. you know, like it was like a complete underage operation <laughs> and we got shut down a lot. Um, but it was just, it was just wild, yeah. man. It was like, you know, it was kind of a small town, you know, so like 
when we were having a show, everyone came. Yeah. You know, it was it was it was pretty it's pretty epic and you know, those we every yeah, I think we're actually gonna do a reunion show this this Christmas. Nice. But um Vic. yeah, man, those those guys are great. The 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 people, you know, that they were in that band everybody is just incredible. Um musicians but so. now i mean you were in that that was the early early 2000s and it wasn't too much too uh, long after that that you moved out to california you went to los angeles was that always was that always like the goal in your head was it like i got to get out to la for for music if i want to if i want to chase down this music dream that's where i got to go I think it was i think i kind of thought about nashville for a little bit maybe new york but I don't know. I think there was something about L.A. because I, I surf, you know. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, here I am in Nash- Nashville now where <laughs> there's no surf. But at the time, I was like, yeah, this is going to be great. I can surf and I can I can do the Hollywood thing. And there was a there was a program at Musicians Institute mm. in Hollywood um, that I did, which was it, was it was cool, man. It was, you know, I was right in the thick of it in Hollywood. And it was crazy yeah. and wild. And L.A. was cool. I was there for 14 years and then, you know, I ended up moving uh moving to nashville yeah and wanted to be closer to my family but yeah um ultimately i you know la la was was very beneficial i think to my music career because i you know i met our manager who helped us really get griswold going and the band members you know yeah. they're swedish and never never would have met them or um bill our drummer yeah um, without being in Los Angeles, so but it, it's, yeah, it's, you know, served its purpose. Talking about that a little bit, like I mean, you were out there a good while before Grizzfolk happened. You, I mean, you were out there, you know, eight eight years, give or take, and you you were in a you were in a band with Bill before you actually started Grizzfolk. That was a different band. Mm-hmm. How, how like how many bands did you play in before you met Bill? Before I met Bill, I think I was in I was in a punk band called Brewster. Mm. Um, I was in a band called November Emergency. Uh, I was in like maybe three or four bands, but nothing really that serious until yeah. I met Bill. And you know, Bill, Bill. When when I met Bill, it was like you know we got serious and we had this band called La Vie, and it was um, yeah, it was interesting. We had a residency every week at a place called Harvell's in Santa Monica mm. where we would play for like three hours a night. And it was towards the end. It was like, you know, we did it. We, we overstayed our welcome. Like we, <laughs> we did it. The first year was probably pretty good, but then the second year, like no one showed up <laughs> and, uh, we were just getting, you know, getting wasted and playing for three hours to no one. <laughs> um, got really burnt out but yeah um but it was like right around that time actually towards the end of that where i met the swedes um frederick and sebastian yeah and we uh yeah we ended up starting to write some stuff and they kind of like we kind of pulled bill into that band like we kind of dissolved that band and then and pulled him into what we were doing how did you meet sebastian and frederick because that seems like, you know, like you said, it's a bit of a curveball. The guys are Swedes. They're into, like, electronic. They're into hip-hop. And, like, you know, that's not that's not punk. That's not Americana. That's not any of those things. So how did you guys meet up? Well, I, I met um, Frederick. Well, I was there, there was a music house, like a jingle house that does music for commercials and mm-hmm. film and TV. 
Um, they were called Machine Head, and it was in Santa Monica, and I, I was sort of um, working there. You know, I had just kind of started. You know, they were trying me out as a composer, mm-hmm. and they were like, you know, why don't we set you up with um, with Frederick, who had a who was working out of the building, um, doing doing. You know, he was he was working with everybody. Kind of worked with everybody. Yeah. There was a couple different companies within within the building, and. Um, they were like, why don't you team up with Fred and try something for this? I think it was a Chevy commercial. Nice. And we wrote this song, and it was like, it was like, dude, we should just, we should just write songs, you know. <laughs> and me and him, we just started writing. We wrote every day. We wrote a new song for, for I don't know, maybe a year or something. But somewhere in this process, um, we met Sebastian. I had met Sebastian, I think, a few years prior at a at a um like an intimate concert that i was doing in venice mm-hmm. um and then somehow he had met frederick somewhere along the line they had connected i don't know the exact story but i think it might even have been through craigslist or oh, something man about craigslist always I, comes I, in there somewhere yeah um no i i can't remember the exact story but they you know we met and we pulled sebastian into this thing we were you know just we just we were just writing we were just having fun having yeah fun you know it seems like you guys like i mean you know you came from sort of different backgrounds obviously and like styling's a little bit different but i mean was it just because you were you were stripping it back to just i mean you know just the the bare bones of a song and you guys i mean at the at the base of it were just you know good songwriters is that why it worked like i mean your your writing styles worked in that sense um i think it was you know a combination of of sort of blending styles you know i i was i was sort of doing this like americana mm-hmm. um thing thing personally and then you know frederick and Sebastian were more on the electronic thing, so we would we would just kind of blend them together, and we were inspired by artists like Mike Snow that were sort of doing something kind of similar, but not as Americana ish. Yeah, um, you know, and we just we had the that disadvantage of being able to sit in a studio and record, and like Fred is a is a you know an amazing producer engineer, um, you know, and and he's he's sort of like a wizard you know and i think that that gave us this opportunity to just be really creative and and create something that maybe didn't exist or you know create something that felt like fresh that no one had heard before and yeah um definitely stuff that i had never i I wouldn't have stumbled upon on my own yeah i was about to say when you were writing those initial songs did you see it because i mean you know, a lot of people put sort of different terms on your music, like you said, like folktronic and these other these other terms. Did you see it as something completely different? Like after you'd started those songs, were you like, "Oh man, this is this is way different than anything that's out there right now"? Yeah, um, I did, and you know, we at the time we were sending song. I was sending songs to, so I interned at Island Def Jam mm-hmm. um, for a little while, and and this person, his name's Rico. And I was interning for him, and I would kind of keep in touch with him, and I'd send him things I was working on. But it was it was when I started sending him these songs, mm-hmm. he was like, "Hey, you know what? Let me let me come by the studio and meet these guys and see <laughs> what you guys are up to." And he started managing us, and it was like. 
you know, within three or four months of him sort of working with us, we, we ended up on tour. And then, you know, I think it was like our first tour we were in we were in portland and virgin records flew in to see his play and like offered us a deal and yeah it just took off you know and, yeah and um i think a lot of it was just sort of create you know creating something new and and not really trying to copy now now i i've heard a lot you know sort of at the the genesis of the of of grizz folk there that like you you wrote the struggle that was one of one of the first sort of songs that you guys really uh you know uh built around and i heard it was it was put on the internet was that rico that put it on the internet or was that somebody else actually it was it was somebody else so the story goes we sent it to someone who knew someone who had a blog (laughs) <laughs> and this is back when blo- blogs were or like a, thing. A, a major part. <laughs> yeah, like you, would, you know, that's where you found new music. Yeah, and um, it, was, it was called the Burning Year. Mm. And so our friend Nick, I guess he he sent it to the he sent it to the Burning Year, and then and on our SoundCloud at the time, the SoundCloud title, our artist name was Grizz Adams. It mm-hmm. wasn't Grizz Folk at the time. We we didn't even have a band. We weren't even a band yet. Yeah, we were just a couple of guys. Just the nickname, tunes. My, yeah, yeah. Like my nickname was Grizz Adams, and that was on their SoundCloud. So we wake up one day, and it's like a couple of days later, and the Burning Year, which is the blog, mm-hmm. they had posted about Grizz Adams and the struggle, mm. and it was like you know within a 24 hours, we had like fifty thousand <laughs> plays, and um, so we you know we were like yeah. okay you know maybe we should uh really do this and come up with a real name and, so so we'll um, change half of it let's go with folk instead yeah. of adams there we go all right that's it that's <laughs> yeah, exactly. our name uh, <laughs> there, there was a lot of other uh contenders you know there was grizz jr mm. uh grizz lion mm. uh so oh, far man. i like grizz folk Till- better I I don't I, yeah. I don't I like it better. Uh, well, for I mean for a guy that had been working in music, I mean for for a decade or more. I mean you know uh, through the bands in Florida, through the bands at the start of Los Angeles, it seems like that would almost be like a little overwhelming. In like a year or two, you guys are you know signed to a major label you're like you said virgin signs you you're touring with bastille you're playing a sold out crowd at radio city music hall was it like you know i mean was 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 it overwhelming when that first like took off like that at the start of grizz folk yeah i mean it was man i I wish i could turn back time you know because like now with coronavirus i'm like oh man what i I would do to go back and do that again yeah man it was it was really um at first i think when we found out we were going to do the bastille shows which were arenas we were like how you know we had never done shows like that so we the question was how how are we going to do this and i remember the head of the label her name is ashley she said, well, I mean, the best way to find out is just to get thrown right into it, you know. And, and that was really it, man. We got thrown right into it. And, you know, yeah, and we, we just, we had to make tweaks as we went, you know. We, after every show, we would, we would kind of like assess, you know, what was missing, yeah. what, what, what do we need to do to make it sound fuller. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, but then you kind of get, 
you kind of got used to it, you know, like you got used to going up and like having these giant crowds there and being a support band, man, is like, it's, it's kind it's crazy. It's like, you know, you don't, you're only there, you're only playing for like 30 minutes. Yeah. You bring, you, you bringing minimal equipment. You're mm -hmm. in, you're not in a bus, so you're not as comfortable as the main artist, but you know, it's, it's you see like, all their stuff. You have a lot. <laughs> yeah, you, you see all this stuff, and you have a lot of downtime. Yeah. Um, you know, and I don't know. Yeah, it was. There's something. It was. An, it was a really exciting time. You know, and I think. I think as a, as a band and an artist, I think we're ready to, to you know, take the touring. You know, we we started doing headline runs before coronavirus, and that was mm -hmm. that was sort of the plan. Um, so that all that's been halted obviously, but yeah, I think that's kind of where we're at now. It's like, we've done so many support tours for other, you know, with other artists. That yeah. I think now we're just, we're really ready to do our own thing. Well, I mean, you know, being, being in that, that year or two, that explosion there at the start where you have, you get the record deal, you have more notoriety, you start having millions of people streaming your music. What did you not expect in that time? What caught you off guard about that? That you were like, oh, that's how it is. Like, was there anything that you you didn't see coming that you didn't expect? Um, you know, I think I think working with a major label, um, you know, you hear sort of horror stories. I mean, we had an amazing experience, and everyone that we worked with at our label was incredible and they did so much for our career. Mm -hmm. um, but when the, when a new CEO of Capital came in, they sort of fired everyone at Virgin Records yeah, and started over. So we had just finished our new album and it was just about to come out and our whole team was gone. Mm. Um, and none of us, you know, we, we had heard stories about that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, but we but we definitely weren't expecting that to happen, especially right as our album was coming out. So that was definitely one thing, and we had to pivot. And you know, everything's all good, and you know, we learned you know a lot of things about that. But you know, the business is is changing radically all the time. Oh yeah, um, and you kind of just you you kind of have to just expect it to change, and you have to not take anything for granted. Expect you know? the unexpected. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. well, during that time, you also, uh, I mean, around that time, a little bit after, right when that first album was coming uh, out, you you played the Late Show with David Letterman, and you played Conan in 2016, mm -hmm. 2015, 2016, and uh, my two favorite late night hosts, yes! since they're mm -hmm. both Me retired too. from their shows. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Which which <laughs> one crazy. were you more excited to play? I won't tell them. Which one were you more excited <laughs> to play? You know, I think I think Letterman was was really. I mean, they honestly they were both really exciting and, and oh yeah, and totally nerve wracking too. Like I mean, it's I don't doubt you know, it. It's it's live. Yeah. You get you get one shot. You know. And, yeah. Um, it, when Dave, I think Letterman Dave was, was first, right? Great. You played David Letterman first. Yeah. 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 She was great. We didn't really get to talk to him much you know he he sort of was in and out yeah um but the experience of being in you know being in new york and and just uh you know just being being in the in the city and being you know 
being in that uh that theater you know it's just such a legendary theater and now did you I think you talked to paul a good deal yeah yeah i talked to paul for for a second shook his hand and uh yeah that was that was amazing and i think uh who was on that day i think maybe it was will smith oh man mm. but uh but you know it was it was cool it, it was really it was really nerve-wracking honestly like i think i you know i probably was way too in my head and and if i had to do it over again i would i would definitely just relax and i probably wouldn't drink as much caffeine and whiskey um <laughs> that that'll make you yeah that that'll make you overthink things too yeah for sure <laughs> yeah. yeah but conan was awesome man honestly conan was was the better a, a better experience he was really nice and he's a musician too so you know afterwards we had a chance to talk to him and he you know before the before the actual taping he was actually sitting at his desk running lines and picking the guitar which was just you know it's just cool he's he is such a down-to-earth guy it's funny that's exactly we just had bad sons on the show and uh i asked them about their experience on conan because they posted about it when he retired and that's you know they said almost the the same thing they said he came out there he was playing his guitar in between lines and uh was super nice guy so you know Mm. so far i haven't found anybody that says conan's a Head. so that's good that's really you know, <laughs> yeah. that's that's solid to know that he is the nice guy you see on tv that's good now between your first and your second album uh there was there was there was a lot of a lot of change a lot of uh you know um ch- changes in management or well, not management but uh record labels change in you know personal situations uh brendan left the band uh, there was four years in between those two albums. Was the group ever in question during those times? Like between those two albums, was it a question whether or not Grizzfolk would continue, or was it just trying to get your footing in between the albums? Well, I think there was. Yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely, you know, previous to you know there was a lot of uncertainty and i think there were definitely some times where we where we questioned whether we should keep going mm-hmm. but you know we we somehow we always kind of just were like you know there's there's got to be more to this you know like <laughs> it's not per- you know everything hasn't been perfect and i i don't know you know i, I don't know if you know this but i i got sober yeah about three and a half years ago and that that sort of um definitely helped out a lot i was I was a maniac, you know, before that. And I think a, a lot of a lot of our, you know, maybe not maybe not all of them, but you know, a lot of our issues were that I, you know, was I drank a going lot. Going too hard. Know, and yeah. I was going to I was going hard and, you know, with with that comes, you know, being moody or whatever and then just relationships and um honestly like everything changed when I quit drinking. But Yeah. Now that was that was around the same time that you moved to Nashville, right? Was I mean, fairly close. You moved to Nashville after you decided to get sober. Yeah, I think I had maybe a year of sobriety um, before I moved to Nashville. Now, why why did you decide to to switch to Nashville? Uh, well, so my dad he got uh, diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and. Mm. Uh, so as soon as he got that diagnosis, um, I just 
you know, I, I said, you know what? I'm way too far away from him. Need to be closer. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to be closer to him, you know, cause it didn't, it was stage four and you know, we, we knew it was going to be a, it could either be a short amount of time or, you know, maybe if he's lucky five years, you know, yeah. making it about ni- 19 months. But, uh, that was really it. I mean, I, I, I wanted to still be in the music world. So I, so Nashville was like, you know, and Nashville honestly felt, you know, at the time, you know, I was in, I was in LA and I was kind of surrounded by people that were, you know, my friends at the time, you know, did a lot of drugs and were partying a lot. And I had, you know, I had about like eight months of sobriety. And I was like, I just, I just want to be away from this and start, yeah. start new. And then I can, you know, if I'm in Nashville, I can drive down on the weekends and see my dad. So yeah. that was, that was really it. And, and then you know, I I love Nashville. The music scene in Nashville is, it's just, it's very welcoming. You know, like I, you know, I came in and everyone you meet that's in the music world on the on the business side and and on the creative side, there everyone is like, let's let's work together. Like let's, you know, here they introduce you to their friends and mm-hmm. there's no, uh, you know, there's 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 nothing there's no pretentiousness. You know, and I felt like L.A. is very pretentious <laughs> yeah um. it's it's funny how like uh you know i've had uh, i don't know i haven't kept count but uh, a, a lot of uh guests from from nashville and i'm almost positive uh i would bet a lot of money that i could make a connection between every single one of them without much trouble mm-hmm. like i could like mm-hmm. you said, find a way to say, oh, yeah, I've worked with that person. Oh, yeah, we're friends. Yeah, I played on their album. Yeah, I'm friends with, like, and it, mm-hmm. do, it and they're all different artists. Like, I mean, you know, very different, you know, different genres, different stylings, different, you know, ages, everything. But it is. It seems mm-hmm. very, you know, family-oriented, much more opening. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, now that you've been in Nashville for more than well three years or around three years uh, i've got to go to my go-to question if i'm coming to nashville and i say adam i'm in nashville i've got one night where are you telling me to eat what are you going to tell me wh- what's the restaurant i need to go to oh man um yeah it's a doozy it's a question it's it's a tough one okay um well, I'd have to ask, what is your cuisine? Because a lot of people think of Nashville and they're like hot. They want hot chicken and barbecue. And if you want hot chicken or barbecue, I'll tell you that. But <laughs> I, I, w- I want your go-to though. I want what you're feeling. That's what I, I want to go with the. It right now, if you just wanted to feel, you know, Nashvilley, and you just wanted to feel like you were, you're in your spot in Nashville. Where would you go? Man, honestly, I think, uh, you know, I've eaten a lot of great places, but mm-hmm. there's one place it's called, it's called Lachlan table and, mm-hmm. uh, it's in East Nashville. And I, I think that, you know, their, their food is, it's really, it's really just, you know, it's really great. You know, it's farm to table. I think, you know, they have a little bit of it's it's mainly like sort of an american cuisine they do have some some pizzas but it's like you know meat and vegetables and you know really really nice sort of rustic atmosphere and um i just yeah i like i like the atmosphere i'm checking out the menu right now i'm getting i'm getting excited yeah. here this is uh i think they have a hanger steak that's really good i i just came across the nashville hot crispy pig ears for for an oh, appetizer sh- that's 
Oh, now, that's that's that getting out there. I like that. Well, it's a good restaurant, man. It's honestly, it's it's one of my favorites, and I've eaten. You know, I've I've spent a lot of time eating out, and uh, <laughs> I I like the fact that they keep it pretty simple too. Like on this menu, like mm-hmm. I mean, it's not it the 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 actual food itself doesn't look that simple, but their explanation isn't uh, gaudy. It's just here's what mm-hmm. it is. I like that, and yeah. then just one number. Yeah. There's no there's no change on there. It's just the dollar amount. I like that. That's. <laughs> yeah. Those things have real. It's pretty reasonably priced, I think. Yeah, it's not bad. It's uh, it's still. I I know the listeners get tired of me saying this, but it still amazes me how many times I can ask that question and get a different answer. I always like. (laughs) I I, I always get a different answer. Lachlan Table's a new one, man. I got to put it on the list now. Now, now I'm excited. What's it? What's another one that you've gotten? Oh, gosh. I've got so many. Let's see. The last Nashville person we had on the show was Sam Tennes. Sam, uh, it told me, uh, now I can't remember the name of the the uh, pizza restaurant downtown. Uh starts with a D. Um, uh, yeah, but it's a, it's a pizza place in downtown. That's what he told me. And now I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm moving backwards here. I got like... Uh, <laughs> it's okay. There was another, so let's see, Colony House was on the show, and they they gave me somewhere in Franklin. It was uh, 1892, that's what I want to say. 1892 is what okay. they gave me. And uh, yeah, I mean, a Pharmacy Burger, that was Travis Meadows. That was oh, yeah, way yeah. back, way back, I asked him. I, I should have said that, actually. That, they have a great burger. <laughs> I, I really like that. <laughs> I like it's, their Impossible Burger, actually. Oh, man. Impossible Burgers, uh, they, uh, you know, uh, Burger Up, actually, too. I've got it written down here. That was uh, Flurry uh, told me Burger Up. She told me Flurry Up. Mm. And, uh, so, you know, uh, yeah, but um, Impossible they Burgers. They got destroyed in the, the tornado. Oh, they did? Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The, the Impossible Burgers, though, those are, they're... Um, they they first of all done right i yeah i i I read about them when they were coming out and i got really excited because i was like oh this sounds like it could actually taste like like a burger and it does Mm -hmm. yeah i mean you know i uh also shout out to their stock because i invested in them right when they came out and uh, i tripled my money so yeah thanks nice thanks impossible burger Um, That's great. Good, good on both sides. Yeah. Uh, well, now the one other thing about Nashville, um, it seems like, and it may just be me, but it seems like Nashville brought out the the mustache on you. Was it was it Nashville, or did you just feel like rocking the stash since you've been there? Is that just a coincidence? Uh, man, I I think what it is, what it was, is. Uh, <clears throat> I think it reminds me of my dad. I think nice. my dad, you know, when I was growing up, he he had this epic mustache. Yeah, and I remember when when he when I turned like seventeen, he shaved it off, and we were like, "What the heck is like his <laughs> upper lip was so giant?" Um, so yeah, I, it, in a way, I feel like maybe it's a it's you know an homage to him, but uh, so many dads. I have feel mustaches. weird without it. So many. My my, yeah, my dad had an. Uh, my dad still has an epic mustache. He's yes! he's he, <laughs> nice. he 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 shaved his, but it was because he had this. He had surgery, and they had to shave it because they went through his nose for the surgery. And he came uh-huh. home, and we were like, 
what in the, who is this? This is so weird. And then it took like, you know, a month for it to grow back. And we're like, finally, good Lord, you weirdo. We couldn't take that without that mustache. So, you know, that's, that's a good, that's, hey, that's, that's good uh, homage there you're paying. I like it. I like the stash. Keep on rocking it. It's good right stuff. On. Thank you, man. Um, Thank you. Now, it, it seems like, uh, so the third album that I mentioned at the start of the interview, uh, you guys, it seems like, I think you started it right at the, the start of the pandemic. I saw you post from the studio in like February of 2020. Uh, how, much, mm -hmm. how much of a strain did the pandemic put on the new album? Well, so we were in the studio with Rich Costi in mm -hmm. Santa Monica, um, mm -hmm. and we the, sort of the plan was to just get started with him, and then you know figure it out from there. And we had you know as we were finishing up like the last couple days mm -hmm. in the studio with him, the pandemic it it was it wasn't a pandemic yet; it was just starting to to drip into the United States. Yeah, and then at the final day was like they were actually saying okay this is a pan it's a pandemic now mm. and rich was rich was talking about how he's going to move his studio to vermont so he can get away from you know the virus yeah. and we we sort of barely um you know finished those songs with him without getting sort of shut down and then so it's mainly the processing stuff that happened actually during the pandemic yeah i mean we you know, as far as like, you know, during the pandemic, we, you know, we, we were obviously still writing and, um, you know, the guys would come to Nashville and we would, we would do co-writes or, you know, we would work, we would work with some of the producers here, mm -hmm. um, Jeremy, Jeremy Latito and, um, Randy Kent, mm. um, and, uh, Kyle Ryan. And, um, you know, as far as like, you know, it, it was actually pretty, pretty easy because we could send files back and forth yeah um it's not ideal you know i mean it's not you know probably not how some of like the classic legendary records were made you know <laughs> but um it's you got to do what you got to do and um i think that that's sort of the beauty of technology these days is for sure you know, it was it you know we we were able to keep going and get our ideas on to in, in there yeah yeah. Now the uh, the song California High that I mentioned before, my my uh, favorite so far. Uh, once uh, mm. once I hear the rest of them, uh, I'll 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 make a a, a, a cemented decision. But uh, <laughs> California High was it was it written sort of uh, with those early times in Grizz Folk in mind? Uh, some of the lyrics seem sort of like that. Uh, trying to take hold of the all, all the stuff going on uh, in a in a crazy world yeah yeah i mean i think a lot of it you know you know pretty much everybody in our band like we, we came from somewhere else to los angeles and to california and, mm -hmm. and that's that's sort of this thing you know with la it's um it's a place where people come to pursue their their wildest dreams yeah and um you know and and there's a lot of there's a lot of darkness sort of surrounding that road to mm -hmm. to you know following your dreams and i think california high for me anyways it's sort of you know it's it is sort of about that you know you know the road the path that that chase the path yeah. that, we've, that we the other there's the chase that we've uh that we've been on and um 
and also, you know, at the time, I think we were when we were writing it, we were we were inspired by you know the Beach Boys and and sort of like these seventies um, sort of retro key keyboard sounds. Yeah, I was about to say you hear um, it. That's exactly what I thought of with that that one. I don't know what it is, the keyboard sound, but I definitely thought Beach Boys when I heard that 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 noise. I was like, that's Beach Boys right there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, that one was one of the songs that we, we, you know, it almost kind of slipped through the cracks until this, until we made this record. And our manager, you know, he's, he's really good at um, helping us sift through our material because we have a lot. We've been, you know, yeah. we write a lot and then we pick a, pick a few songs and put them out. Um, and that one almost slipped through the cracks. And, you know, we were like, you know, this one sort of fits this, this one is unique to us you yeah. know and um we're, we're really happy that we were able to get it out there and work with rich costi on that one for sure well i noticed i mean you know i noticed when ripple came out uh that you know it uh, you guys wrote that a, a good while ago i mean you know that was mm-hmm. you you'd been playing that one at shows for six seven years almost um Mm-hmm. Were there were there a lot of those on this album? Uh, I mean, how is it like uh, going into the process? Do you choose a couple that you've already written? And you, are you writing new, or how, how does the the choice of of songs come out on the album? Um, I think it was a little bit of both. I mean, as far as the older material on this record, Queen of the Desert, California High, and The Ripple. Those were that's that's really the only three old songs gotcha. that, we, that we've had um, that we've had for quite a while that just we never got to put them out because we couldn't really figure out how to how to produce them ourselves. I mean, we there's we have a lot of different versions of them. Yeah, but you know, I think that they they always kind of we always planned on putting them out. Yeah, um, we just we this, the timing wasn't right, I guess, and um, yeah, we, you know. They they sort of they live in the same world. I feel like for sure, for um, sure. You know. Well, I mean, speaking of that world, uh, I mean, a, a lot's changed obviously from Waking Up Giants to to this this album. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what if what if, what is how has the music changed? What do you see as far as this album compared to that that first album? Well, I feel like, you know, and I think Rich Costi had a lot lot to do with this, but I feel like for this album, we really we really were able to strip away, you know, all of the layers and just really hone in on what the song is and what mm-hmm. we're saying and, you know, the underlying actual current of the music of the song, you know. And um, I think Rich was really good at, at sort of taking all these layers that we had put you know, on top of each other and just picking just the best, mm-hmm. you know, and, and sort of set that, he set the tone for the rest of the record, you know, in that, in that way, you know, moving forward, it was like, okay, we're just, everything you hear is the best of the best, you know, nice. that's the best the player could, you know, that's the best vocal take, that is the best guitar take, you know, and we, had, and we did a lot of takes. Yeah. Um, and I think before, you know, like waking up the giants, we we definitely we were just kind of layering things, and if it sounded cool, it sounded cool. <laughs> and um, and and that's another way of doing things. That's the, yeah, that's a good process too. For sure. You know? I mean, there's something to be said about just like if it sounds great, like there's no reason to mess with it. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. It doesn't matter how many layers. 
you know but definitely both uh yeah i mean you know you see bands use both and go after both and i think there's different phases in diff uh in in artist careers where you are attracted to both you know you you want to try one at one point in time and one at another and uh mm -hmm. you know i uh like i said i think it i think it came out well on this album sounds fantastic thank it's, you it's a great album thanks so much uh you guys have a show coming up in less than a month at the moroccan lounge uh are you are you a little concerned uh, seeing as how we seem to be backsliding with the, the Delta variant, are there any changes of plans as of now, or is it still on? It's still on, but, uh, man, I, you know, yeah. I, I'm skeptical of the music, you know, the music world right now. It just, it just seems like, you know, if, if we're, we're kind of getting back to normal, but, but when you see that they're, you know, imposing the the mask mandate again yeah it's like it's a little worrying because the next step after that is no large groups of, yeah you know people yeah. gathering mm -hmm. that's there goes our concert yeah um you know and it's it's a i don't know it's a it's a crazy time to be a musician it's it's honestly it's taken a toll i think on a lot of people mentally i know for for me myself like you know i live to play music live like that's my yeah that's what i've you know that's what i'm passionate about most in life yeah and uh it's been two years since i played a show um, you you haven't played so, anything live i haven't done anything live. wow I, I it's like it's crazy um i'm definitely i hope that we i hope the show still happens i think i think it will i think that people will be wearing masks yeah probably and yeah well it's, know, it's, i think it's in la so they have to right now that's <laughs> so how does that work for me though do i need to wear a mask while i'm singing hopefully not that'd make it real tough <laughs> that'd make it yeah i mean i've i've done a couple of meetings in mask and just talking is hard enough i feel like trying to sing with it Whew, that'd be be rough yeah know. it's it's gonna be tough well hopefully i mean you know i i am I'm, I'm hoping there's gonna be a force of hand at some point in time there's gonna be something that will tilt this over in the fact of just getting everyone on board on public safety and vaccines uh but mm -hmm. you know we'll, we'll uh, yeah. time time will tell man time will tell but time for now tell, yeah we can we can enjoy the album for now, we can enjoy the yeah. album. It's gonna, it's it's out. It's time to enjoy it, uh, and I I encourage all the listeners check it out. Uh, Adam, we are up against the break, man. But I want to thank you for coming on the show, man. Thank you so much for having me. For I sure. uh, really enjoyed this conversation and appreciate the the research you did. <laughs> yeah. Kind of wild. For sure, for sure. Listeners, you can check out all things Grizzfolk at grizzfolk.com or you can follow them on social media at Grizzfolk or you can stream them on any of the streaming services, Spotify, Apple. Right now, let's take a listen to my new favorite off the album, California High, right here on the Doc G Show.
And we are back here on the Doc G Show. You just heard a little more Grizzfolk. That was off of their newest album, Grizzfolk. That's right. They did the self-titled third time around. Interesting time to use the self-titled. I like it. But that was California High, my favorite off the album. Definitely like that jam. Pensacola Man there, Mike. Pensacola Man. Pensacola. Now, you said you've been to Pensacola. Yeah, I did a couple shows there. It's, uh, it's just a long drive from it, it, wherever you are. It doesn't <laughs> matter. It's just, you can't. Well, it's, Even it, in Pensacola, it's a long drive to Pensacola. It's crazy when you think about like going from like Miami there. Because it's like, yeah. you know, from Miami, it's like 10 hours. Might as well drive across the country. I mean, literally, yeah. it's a cross-country drive. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, you're looking at like 800 miles or a little bit more. And you're all in Florida. It's 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 like when me and my brother did the whole coast of, of California. So true. That you know. Oh, that's like, awesome. Yeah, oh, it's fun. We went down Highway One. It was good times, but at the same time, you know, somewhere in the middle, you're like, Jesus, this is a long state. This yeah, is- and now I don't think you can do that whole highway anymore. I think like a lot of it's like falling into the ocean. Yeah, right? you got a lot. You got a lot of problems going on. There's a lot of infrastructure yeah. issues there, wildfires and other things too. So you know, yeah. A little bit of trouble. A little bit of trouble. It got sidetracked, though. We're talking Pensacola. <laughs> the other weird thing about Pensacola, the uh, time change. So true. You're on the East Coast yeah, with everybody else is. in Florida. And, like, my friend Dan, who does the artwork for the show, uh, he, he lives in Pensacola. And he'll tell me when he's working on one of the artists uh, for the, the episode covers. And he's like, ah, I'm almost finished, man. It's uh, six. And I'm like, no, it's not. Seven. He's like, oh, it's six here. And I'm like weird weird time back you're in a time warp of pensacola it's crazy i did that one time i spent a whole day in nashville forgetting that i was an hour behind because it's nashville and they're in central time made it nashville Mm -hmm. people kept telling me things and i was like what are they talking about what is it? What? And then finally at dinner, I was sitting there. I was like, oh, I'm a moron. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Anyways, uh, speaking of Nashville, Adam, while we were talking to him, he said Lachlan Table was his suggestion. I got to say, I was looking over the menu. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty fascinated. I'm pretty fascinated. It's got. What do they got? It's definitely got some like Southern classic. It's weird because it's got Southern classics, but then they just throw other things in there. Like they've got Southern classics. Like, have you ever done smoked bone marrow? Mm. I haven't they, had it in a while. Yeah, they got sp- smoked bone marrow, which you know that's a that's a a, a, a fatty treat right there, um, mm. and it's a Southern classic. Uh, but then right below the bone marrow, they got empanadas. What? Ooh, I <laughs> like, like empanadas. I love empanadas, but I really go with a bone marrow. And then right underneath mm. that, they got Thai curry. Say what? what? Wow. What? Yeah, they're going all over the board, man. I mean, this chef must be multi-talented here. He must be multi-talented. But uh, like I told you there during the break, they also do have the Nashville hot uh, pig ears, fried pig ears. Yes. Mm. Mm. Mm, yeah. Mmm yeah, is right. I don't know. I mean, Ugh. it could be good. It could be good. This one, this one caught my eye in the dessert realm. They have the dark chocolate olive oil cake. Wait, what? Dark chocolate what? olive oil cake. Yeah. Mm. 
Yeah. Olive oil doesn't have a flavor, and I don't I, see how that comes. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it would be awesome because I I like anything that's food, really. But still, yeah. like, it just... That one's going to be a, a bit to convince me on that one. Now, the other one, yeah. they got Olive and Sinclair Chocolate Chip Skillet. That hmm. that looks like a, a party in a skillet. Let's hmm. be... Let's be real. That looks like a party in a skillet. I don't know what Sinclair is. I don't know what Sinclair is, but it sounds nice in a dessert. Look, Obviously sounds with classy. chocolate, you know. Sounds yeah, classy. Sound classy. I want to yeah. be a part of it. Um, <laughs> but they got a lot of good stuff. I got to put it on my list, man. Next time, I'm going to have to spend like a month and a half in Nashville just eating things with how many recommendations I have, which I won't be opposed to. But, uh, no. you know, I, I still may come back. 150 pounds heavier, <laughs> which will be a downside for my health. Uh, anyways, okay. Thanks to just Adam. Just take some laxatives. If, <laughs> thank you, Louis. Thank you. Uh, of course. If there's a physician listening right now. No! Don't do it. It's bad. Don't do that. Um, Don't do that. Definitely, it is bad, and it's not actually effective as far as losing weight. You're just dehydrating yourself. You want the science, yeah. folks. Anywho, uh, okay, thanks to Adam Roth for being on the show now that we derailed into laxatives. Oh, come on! Uh, and, <laughs> guys, if you get a chance, check out the Grizz Folk album. I just played two of the songs. They're all fantastic. Uh, let's go on to our last birthday suit. I'm pretty excited because I think you can get a three for three here. I'm pretty okay. positive you can get a three for three. In fact, if you don't get this one, ooh, this is going to be rough. It's going to be embarrassing for you. I'm just going to put that pressure on you. If you don't get this one, it's going to be embarrassing. Um, born on August 4th, 1961 in Honolulu, Hawaii. Our birthday suit wearer's parents got a divorce when our birthday suit wearer was three. Our birthday suit wearer's mother remarried, and they moved to Indonesia in 1967. In 1971, hmm. our birthday suit wearer moved back to Hawaii to live with his grandparents. Our birthday suit wearer moved to Los Angeles after college and started attending Occidental College on a full scholarship. He then transferred to Columbia University and graduated in 1983. In 1988, he was accepted to Harvard Law School. In 1989, he met Michelle Robinson when he was working at a law firm in Chicago. They married in 1991. He started teaching constitutional law at the University of Chicago Law School. In 1996, he ran for the Illinois State Senate. He was reelected three more times. He ran for the United States Senate in 2004. He ran for president in 2008 and won. And then he won mm. again in 2012. He's most notably remembered for the Affordable Care Act. He left office with a 60% approval rating, one of the highest approval ratings while leaving office of a president. Name that birthday suit where? Barack Obama. That's it. Barack turning the big 60, his 60th. There it nice. is. Yeah, big milestone for Barack there. Turning 60. Yeah. I got to be honest. I didn't, I, di I didn't know the background that he lived in Indonesia for a while. I, I was going to say, yeah, all that stuff. His parents were divorced. I didn't yeah. I don't I, know. I, I, just, know. I knew he lived in Hawaii, and I knew his parents divorced because I knew yeah. his dad went back to Kenya 
Um, because his dad was originally from Kenya. His mom was, I think, originally from Kansas, I want to say, before she went to mm. Hawaii. Um, but, uh, yeah, I didn't know that then she remarried. her. His mom remarried and went to Indonesia, and they lived there for, he lived there for four years. In fact, he could speak Indonesian fluently uh, at wow. that time. I, I I don't think he can now at all, but uh, you know, yeah. I'd be surprised if he held that onto that for fifty two years. That'd be pretty <laughs> I'm sure amazing. He's got a couple words still. I'd Thank say you. yeah, Hi. a couple. Like riding a bike, he'll get back on it. But uh, yeah, there you go, man. Turning the big sixty, Barack. You know, uh, say what you want about Barack. That guy handled the pressure. That guy handled pressure yeah, like nobody could, man. I was amazed. There at the very end, you could tell he was getting really tired of handling that pressure. Like, you could tell <laughs> yeah, at the sure. end of those eight years, he wanted to let loose on some of those people. <laughs> but he still, he was so presidential. He just kept it and was yeah. like, nope, nope, and would walk away. Just... So impressive, man. Such a such a role model right there. Anyways, turning sure. turning sixty. Happy birthday, Barack. I heard there's a big uh uh Michelle's uh having a, a big old celebration. They're having a big mm. old sixtieth party. I, I don't know. Mm. I don't know if uh if Joe's gonna have time to show up or not. But uh, <laughs> you know, sort of busy with uh not letting our country collapse. So, you know. Yeah. I'd, I'd, job. I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd rather him make sure he does that. That'd be nice if he could keep doing <laughs> that. Although, I mean, showing up for his for his broham, you got to do that True. too. I mean, you know, yeah. he was Absolutely. he was he was his wingman for uh, for uh, eight years. So you know, he's a good wingman too. I really yeah. like Joe as as the vice president. Because yeah. you got you got the loose Joe in those scenarios. You got the Joe that wasn't really worried about much. He's like, "Hey, I'm on <laughs> autopilot until you he need was the me." Joe. Yeah, you know, it was nice. It was nice. Anyways, happy birthday, Barack. Enjoy it. Sixty, good one, uh, Mike. We've got a fantastic show. Huge, huge guest next week. Can't wait for this guest. We've got Larkin Poe. Larkin Poe. The sisters are going to be with me. I can't wait. Rebecca and Megan. Man, I'll tell you, getting ready for this interview, Mike, uh, I realized these ladies have done a lot. That's a fact. I mean, a lot. Like, and, and, and just like looking at their albums doesn't do what they've done credit. Nope. Because you look at all of these other, you know, I th that's one of those things, I think in comedy and in music, one of the things that says a lot about your career is when other comedians or musicians are huge fans of your work, you know? Yeah. And there's sure. so many artists that are huge fans of Larkin Poe. So true. Like, I mean, they've done tours with, uh, with Keith Urban. They've done tours with uh, ZZ Top. They've done tours with Elvis Costello. They've been wow. the backing band for Don Henley and Jackson Brown. They like, wow. yeah, they've just like, they know all of these people and they're so used to hanging with these people that it's, it's gotta be like second nature to them. They're just, oh yeah. Playing with Keith Urban, whatever. Nah. 
Sure. Yeah, just like 20,000 people. No yeah, uh, yeah. Google it right now, listeners. Check it out. Google uh, Larkin Poe, Keith Urban, when, where the blacktop ends, and you will see Megan of Larkin Poe ripping solos. She's trading back and forth these licks with Keith Urban. And even in all the videos, Keith Urban's looking around like, who the is this she's she's amazing what is going on here even he's confused it's crazy man they are so good wow. yeah i'm i'm excited to have them on the show they are fantastic they've been playing and performing they've been playing since they were four years old they've been playing since for like 20 some years they've been performing for over half their life uh, it's it's crazy. I'm very excited to have them on the show. Yeah, they look great. I'm looking. I'm googling them. Yeah, yeah. Right now, very easy on the eyes. The very easy like on the eye. Some... I'm sorry, Mike. They're both married. They're both oh. married. Yeah, oh. I'm sorry. It's uh, and they're both married to musicians too. They married within oh. their uh, with within their discipline. Uh, Rebecca yeah. is married to the uh, guitarist Tyler Bryant. Fantastic guitarist. I mean, he too. He pops up everywhere. Where you're just like, what? He's playing with 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 uh, Zach Wild. He's playing with the Foo Fighters. When did that happen? Like, it's crazy. He pops up everywhere. Sort of the same way. And then uh, Megan is married to Mike Steele, who's a very famous uh, bluegrass guitar player. He played with Jerry Douglas, mm -hmm. all these other people. He's actually not too far from where I uh, was uh, raised in uh, Virginia. He grew up in Bridgewater, oh. Virginia. So uh, nice. Small world. Small world. Yeah, but for sure. Very excited to have him on the show. It's going to be a great show, but we got to wrap it up for now. Mike's got to go count his gold. Um, <laughs> and he's got to get his pinchers out, see how much he's got. <laughs> but for now, I've been your host, Doc G, with me, Mike Charette. Hopefully, Mike, we can have you back next week. Hopefully. Yeah, for sure. Let's do oh, it. All right. Until then, guys, zip it up and zip it out. Zip it a doodah. -doo.